Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander. And on this episode of the podcast, I, it's like JC and Cal break down the OSC <laughs> game or something. I don't know. Um, I'm joined by, of course, Jake Carlson again here when we are uh, talking again about another Oklahoma State um, football game. I, I want to say like an Oklahoma State win, but we beat Tulsa by five. We didn't cover the spread. So I don't, I don't know, Jake. Um, As we predicted, we would have won money. We would have won money. Yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we would have won money. Um, there's a couple things I want to lead off the podcast here with. All right. Um, at this point, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm assuming you've seen the Oklahoma State versus Tulsa game, so I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but we are talking about that this entire podcast, as well as conference realignment uh, with the addition of the four teams. So just to start out here, Gundy had some great post-game quotes after the game was over. Oklahoma State won 28-23 over Tulsa today on September 11th, uh, 2021. And the first quote is, Gundy, offensively, we're very average right now, end quote. Gundy, we're going to have to get better at designing plays, comma, or excuse me, period, 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 end quote. (laughs) And the third and last quote here is about um, the addition of the Big 12 teams here. Gundy on adding UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, and BYU, quote, we hit a home run, knocked it out of the park. End quote. So, Jake, I mean, take a direction you want to here. But let's first talk about the game, kind of moving to conference realignment if we have time here at the end, because I feel like we could fill up a whole hour with just are basically just going really for a whole hour. <laughs> I, I mean, th- this is this is part about the game that I won't I won't get is that it's easy for me to see as a fan who did not play football. Right. Like you and I both agree not play football growing up. Right. But it's easy for me to go. I know that's still dumb. I know it is. I know it still is very, very dumb. So, Spencer Sanders, listen, I don't want to put it all on him. I think that's unfair, right? I think that's unfair to put it all on him. Um, I think it's only fair to just say, listen, there's a bunch of other stuff going on in the game. It's his first game back, et cetera, et cetera. But he does make some poor decisions in playmaking. Granted, is this his second full year? Is this his second year as a quarterback? And he already missed one game because of COVID stuff. Yeah. So I don't think has he played a full season since he's been at OSU? I don't think so. I think this is his second season playing. So, with all that being said, um, like Andy, yeah, we are average on on offense. Um, that's your blame. I assume you're taking there, right? You know, he's saying we're average on offense. He he knows that. I guess I'm not sure. And the other part of it is, is that he said we need to get better at designing plays. And I gotta say, I can bring that back to I can tell that they need to design better plays. That's my whole point here, right? Like I'm not an I'm not an offensive play caller. I am not a dude who knows a ton about football from the ins and outs, the X's and O's. That's why I always have you on, Jake, because you've actually played high school football and you know some of the more stuff than me. But that's where I go. Yep, I could have told you that one. Could have told you on that one. Um, other key things here, Spencer Sanders led the team in rushing yards. Go figure. Yeah. I mean, it seems pretty obvious for the last couple of years that we need to get better at designing plays, um, because they just seem very redundant. 
I think our offense calling it average would probably be uh, a good thing, right? Like, I don't think right now our offense is average. I think it's extremely below average. Um, and like you said, I, I don't think this is Sanders because we saw Illingworth in the offense. While we might think Illingworth might be more suited for the offense, we saw Illingworth do the same things that Sanders was doing last week with I don't want to call them inept, but it's almost like they have no idea what's going on. Um, and I was watching the game with my dad sparingly because as if you're listening, <clears throat> you probably watched and you knew that it was terrible. So I, there were plenty of other good games on that I was rather watching and that just wasn't one of them. Um, we tuned in late and saw the end of it, but it, he pointed something out to me and and my dad was a football coach in college and in high school. And he told me, he said, there's no rhythm with the offense. It's like, if one, if one play works one way, then it's like, okay, then we'll run the same play, but to the other side. And, And that happened multiple times. And a lot of the time with like these good offensive play callers, you don't see them run the same thing over and over again. It's like people that have money, they don't wear the same outfits all the time. You know, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of yeah. the thing. And it's like the good offensive coordinators, they're not running the same plays <clears throat> over and over and over again. Whereas we are, I mean, it, I, I was watching more Oregon, uh, Ohio state today because, you know, obvious reasons. And I'm seeing good play call design. I'm seeing a lot of different runs and especially like, it's hard for me to punish our running backs for a lot of this because one, it doesn't really look like they're getting a whole lot of help. And two, the run designs just aren't very good. They're just not good designed runs. I mean, I I told Calvin this before, but like on that run, what's his name? I'm blanking on his name. The, the guy, no, the guy that scored the touchdown. Yeah. Uh, right. Jaden. Yeah. Yeah. Jaden. Yeah. So, he had that incredible run, which seemingly came from nowhere, right? Like he, he made yeah. that play himself like that. That play was a bad play call. And the reason I call it a bad play call is because we ran the exact same play, but to the other side, the play before, and it didn't work. And the whole zone blocking thing that we do where, you know, you're reaching to the next guy it, it just causes a lot of problems if you don't have a good enough line that, that reaches because guys are just able to knife through the gaps, you know, just stuff like that. Like it, you're, you're still leaving gaps, but your offensive linemen have to be good enough to kind of get out there. And I just don't think they're as good as they have been in the past. Um, but I mean, my gosh, like that dude made that run out of nowhere because they literally ran the exact same play to the right side and he broke like six tackles. That he was a uh, their whole team. Yeah, that was a vintage Le'Veon Bell like kind of like patient run, right? Where you just right. kind of like juke left, juke right, cut back, cut up, cut back, cut and up, it, type of deal. And it ultimately won us the game, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like that run, that run literally won us the game because if he doesn't score there, then we either go for it or probably have to kick a field goal. Mm-hmm. And it's. Like it, it's Tulsa, Missouri State. I mean, come come on. Like, wh- 
Well, we had 1.9 yards per rush, I think, against Missouri State, and then today we had like 2.5. Yeah, not good. And, like, and people are getting excited about like 11-yard runs. And I'm like, yeah, those are great, but it's like you're getting way too excited about an 11-yard run. Yeah. Uh, notice, I mean, yeah, no disagreement there. The other stuff that I take away from the game here is that, do you know we had less yards than Tulsa in the game? I'm not surprised. It was 347 Tulsa, Oklahoma State 313. Um, and that's low for Oklahoma State. We sh- for, we I'm, I'm, I'm sure the people listening know that like quarterback, like LSU's quarterback threw for more than 313 yards against UCLA when they lost. Mm-hmm. Like Mason Rudolph threw for 400 yards regularly. Yeah, and here, here's so, the other thing. It's not like Sanders didn't throw the ball. He, we we put it in his hands 26 times to throw it. He had 15 completions on 26 attempts, which is over a 50% completion rate. I'll give him that. But the one interception he threw was one of the worst interceptions I've seen just because he was in such deep coverage and the middle linebacker was, or the linebacker, excuse me, was just there. Like, if you look straight at it, there must have been a lineman block in his eyesight. Otherwise, there's no excuse whatsoever for him to throw that ball. And he threw it right to the defensive guy. Now, well, and he also only had what six passing attempts with like, what was it, six minutes left? I think in the the first half. Yeah, so, there were a lot of wide receiver screens right there at the end of halftime, trying to get him in a rhythm or something. I got to think that's what the I got to think that's yeah. what the deal was. You know? Yeah. Um. Of course, Tay Martin goes out early. Doesn't it? You know, doesn't come back in the game, and and he was questionable before the game. And he's questionable so. before the game, and so that's got to be a big blow. He, Tay Martin, I don't see with the catch here today, so he honestly might not have played it down. I, I just read that he went out early and then come back, so maybe he tried it and couldn't. Keep he going did. Or he did play, but okay. he, I think he got one target from what I saw, and mm. it was broken up. And then after that, he like he got hit on the target, mm. and um. He came out after that. So Jaden Bray, who is, I mean, one of the, you know, one of the two wide receivers today who caught a touchdown pass, had an incredibly great run in, right? I think he's the one who cut, caught the ball. That was hype. He high pointed it, um, jumped up real high up in the air. Defenders both miss, but he makes a miss too. It's kind of, kind of a, you know, he made him do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then goes into score. Great touchdown. Um, Green has a diving catch over shoulder, yeah, I mean, pretty good throw considering that like he almost like Sanders almost put it in the wrong spot, but did put it in the right spot to give his yeah receiver a chance. They, and gets they his were foot hyping in. it. Yeah, they were hyping it up a little bit more on the broadcast about yeah. the throw probably than it actually was because it was still underthrown and he makes like this crazy one-handed catch thing. <laughs> like he has to like come back to almost grab it, but if he doesn't come back to almost grab it, I don't think he gets any feet in too. You know, it's right. kind of a weird devil thing from that um mm-hmm. the, the key things that you know you and i always harp on here whenever we record a po- whenever we do a podcast about Oklahoma state football is the offensive play calling right we've been talking about this mm-hmm. now for years and there's one common denominator and it's mike gundy mike gundy's still there um you know i every single time we do a podcast i'm always like where's todd munkin at now and that's the last time i remember truly going that dude is 
definitely making his own play calls, like on offense. And maybe it was Gundy the entire time. Maybe it was Gundy making the play calls when Munkin was, you know, offensive coordinator too. But we just didn't but know I, it. I, but it was much looser. My, it was much. It yeah. just was less, way less conservative. You and know, my thing with with Munkin is um, he got hired to an NFL team right after that. So he went to Southern Miss. So he's, I mean, he's he took, he, he went yeah. to be a head coach, right? Yeah, he went to be a head coach at Southern Miss yeah. after being you know, after being an offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State. His Wikipedia is super weirdly short for how much the stuff has on the resume here. But, um, you know, he, he tutored Justin Blackman. Um, Gundy introduced him as the next offensive coordinator, tasked with keeping one of the nation's best offenses as potent, you know, et cetera, all this type of stuff, right? And then 2012, um, the year after Oklahoma State wins the Big 12 championship, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yep. And actually the season after Oklahoma State had come back and then played another season after winning the Big 12 championship the year before, he used to be the head coach at Southern Miss. Um, he's the head coach there for three years. Basically, turns around the program, I have to say. They were 1-11 his first year, 9-5 and five his third year. Second year, they're 3-9 and nine, if anyone cares. Um, but then he goes on to be a uh, wide receivers coach uh, for Jacksonville Jaguars. And I, I, actually, excuse me, he was a wide receivers coach for Jaguars in 07. Then he, at some point, um, of course, came to Oklahoma State and maybe Notre Dame as well here. But nonetheless here, big thing, Todd Munkin, when he was the offensive coordinator, definitely a lot looser with the play calling if it was him. And if it wasn't him, and it was actually just, you know what, it was just Gundy the whole entire time, then the play calling was better. It was looser. It was way less conservative. There's way more trust in the quarterback regardless of the talent. Yeah. yeah. and But also and- Zach Robinson and Brandon Whedon, Pretty darn good freaking quarterbacks, we'll yeah. say. And I I would have to say, like following that up, Munkin and Holgerson, um, because Holgerson, I believe, was after him, right? After yeah. Munkin. Yep. Those are probably the last two guys that were getting to call their own plays. Then we go on our little hiring guys from smaller schools type thing. Mm-hmm. And, or guys that maybe weren't OCs initially. Um, but like we got uh, Urisic from like Shippensburg University. I don't remember where um, Leeson was from. And then we get Casey Dunn, obviously, who's at OSU, who we talked about before. I think probably deserved the OC job at the time. Um, and I still think that he could be a good OC. I just... He he almost strong arms. Well, I mean, remember that Dunn Dunn took a different job. Dunn correct. had left Oklahoma State basically, and then correct. Oklahoma State elevates him to the OC for the wide receiver coach. Yeah, yeah, weird. So yeah, it, it, it's good point there because it's it's hard because I wonder if there's a reason that we're not hiring big names anymore. Or if there's a reason that we can't get big names anymore. Because maybe they just know that they're not going to get much of a leash. Because, well, so, I mean, you got you to gotta think, well, Munkin and Holgerson both leave OSU after being OC to get head coaching jobs. Yeah, but, like, here's what I'd say. To, to, to kind of combat that a little bit, 
Um, Munkin was the wide receivers coach at Louisiana Tech before he came to Oklahoma State in 2002. Yeah. Then he's at Oklahoma State from 02 to 04, leaves to LSU for, a, looks like, two years uh, with Les Miles. Then he's the Jaguars wide wins receivers an, wins coach. A national champion, wins a national championship. Right. Yep. Can't forget that. Um, then he's a wide receivers coach in Jacksonville. And then he comes back to Oklahoma State. So, like, that's a weird exception to the rule, but as he's, you've said he's before, been around, he's been around the block. He's 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 a he's a qualified coach, right? Yes, qualified. Um, in your sitch, eh, I mean, he took a big jump, right? Like we we can agree yeah. on that. He took a big jump, yeah. And I would say, to his play calling capacity, he backed it up with one of, if not the nation's most potent offense, right? Like, yeah, he, I mean, he literally came from Shippensburg, which I will give somebody right now, if they just know off the top of their head without Googling it, what city and state Shippensburg is. It's, it's is, in Pennsylvania, isn't it? Yeah, it's located in. Yeah. Shippensburg I Raiders. I couldn't tell you what city it's in. Um, but it's also in Shippensburg. But anyways, regardless. You, yes, regardless. It, yeah. it was a trick question. It's not not. I mean, he, he was a GA at Indiana. That's the biggest thing on your just resume. And he's currently the Penn State offense coordinator slash QB coach, which is great. He's He's been honestly at a lot of different schools since he's left Oklahoma State. He's been at three. Oak, Ohio State, Texas for a year, and then Penn State. Um, yeah. See if he latches on there. But, but regardless here, like Holgerson... <laughs> Dude cannot get out of the Big 12, which is funny because Houston's now back in the Big 12. But I, uh, Olgerson's a crazy dude. There, we, right? You he, and I have a, both heard a, so many crazy stories about him, right? But he knows how to call an offense. But he also came from Houston before he came to Oklahoma State. Yeah. You know? um, Kind of a big... So I understand what you're saying. Like, like when people go, oh, well, what's a big name OC, right? Like... If, if we knew a big name OC, you and me, just, you know, casual football fans, oh, Oklahoma State hired, like, the OC that was at LSU. That's weird, right? It's always yeah. going to be something like this, where it's like, oh, yeah, we hired the OC from a non-Power 5 school. But yeah. Oklahoma State lately, as you've mentioned and said, and you're correct, by the way, here, you're such Shippensburg? What? Um, right? OC from Shippensburg. It's like, um, what? And then we had offensive coordinator who went to Rutgers. Yep. Who was from like, I think USD, University of San Diego, Toreros, like, or somewhere is that where San he, Diego. Is that where he was? I forget it. Which, which OC are we talking about now? Gleason. Uh, Gleason. That's right. Sean Gleason. So that's, I mean, sorry for half-assed internet research here while we're live here, but yeah, um, I'm so sorry. He was at Princeton. He's the Princeton OC quarterbacks coach slash quarterbacks coach. So, so again, we're hiring guys from Division two or FCS schools. The last, the last couple, and then Casey Dunn was already on staff. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I just wouldn't call that like. A coincidence. It seems because odd. We, yeah, we we know that 
these guys, um, they come from smaller schools into Oklahoma state. And then with the hope to either get a head coaching job at another small school or mm-hmm. move up to an OC at a bigger school like your did. And, you know, I hate to break it to you, but Texas is probably on name brand alone, a better job than Oklahoma state. Right. We can agree on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not, no, no disagreements there. So, and then Ohio state definitely, and probably Penn state as well. So it it's just, it's difficult for me to like say that we're, we're getting the best guys that we can not saying that these guys weren't good because Juricic and Gleason had immense success mm-hmm. for the capacity that they did. And we did see a little bit of a difference like Gleason liked to run the ball more and Juricic was like, we're just going to throw 40 times a game like that. That's, that's how they operated. And, and that's fine. None of us, I mean, but Gleason also had a, had a running back who rushed for 2000 yards. Like, am I going to attribute all of that to play design? No. Am I going to attribute all of your success to play design? No, no. But they did. There was a little bit of a difference, but there's always with every OSU offense that we've seen since we've been at OSU, there's always a resorting back to the mean that we see. And it's with those zone runs that I was talking about. It's with the screens. Um, it's with the deep balls on third, you know, when it's like third and three and we're going to run a back shoulder fade. And it's like that none of that has changed because I don't know how many coaches even the Tay Martin one against Missouri State, for example, I know he scored a touchdown, but even that one, I mean, if you just look at that and say, you're on like the four yard line and you're going to run a back shoulder fade, why wouldn't you just run the ball? Because I would probably say most teams would just run the ball or one run a quick pass play action type thing. Yeah. Like back, yeah. back shoulder fade is almost your last resort, whereas at OSU, it's your first resort for everything. And that's a Gundy thing. I know that's a Gundy thing. And you know that's a Gundy thing, too, because we've seen it. And I also think it's a big, big time. We've seen this work before thing, right? Yeah, because it has worked because we've we've had the guys. Since Des Bryant, we've had the guys. Uh, James Washington has gotten back shoulder fates. You know, very, very different athletes. Same position, very different athletes, right? Washington's way more of a speed guy who can adjust the ball in midair. Bryant could do that with the best of them, too. I mean, he was one of the best wide receivers we've ever seen. Belenikoff award winners, right? That's what we're talking about. But mm-hmm. still, yeah, I mean, Blackman and, and Bl- Bryant Blackman are too, tall, yeah. big receivers. Washington's not necessarily that guy. We've, we we know this. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not spewing any information that no one else knows. My, uh, my biggest curiosity with this is, like, where do we go from here? What's What's next, do you think? Because I can tell you right now, there's, it's still it's still less than twenty. I still say it's about twenty five percent of the Oklahoma State fan base that wants to see a change without Gundy, and there's still seventy five percent that go, yeah, we're fine with what we've got. Right? When, Unless you differ. No, no, I, I think you're right because, and and it's like when in reality, it's it's hard to sit here and say after these two games, mm-hmm. especially. We're, we're good with what we have. We're confident going into Boise State next week. Like, why 
should any fan or or maybe even player, I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to say how players feel, but why should any fan be, be confident going to go play at Boise state in a night game mm-hmm. next Saturday based off what they've seen this week? And so if I were to say what needs to happen, like, okay, whatever you're doing isn't working. Okay. Like that, that's how I would put it. And that's probably how you would put it too. Cause that's the truth. So whatever they're doing, isn't working, right? Like we know that. So my answer would be almost just to scrap it. Like start, start from scratch because start with, with obvious, start, start the from offense scratch. from scratch. Okay. The defense is great. I mean, they're, do, they're doing all they can, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we, we, Oh yeah. Yeah. But, but when, when the offense is given, you know, seven points and, and we're getting bailed out because we score a kickoff return, you know, it's like, you're, you're not expecting necessarily either of those things. But if I were to, if you were to ask me, would you expect a kickoff return for a touchdown or a pick six? I would probably say pick six, right? Yeah. Like that, that's just how it is. So, if we're going to give them seven points, then we get seven points back. I mean, we might not win that game if we don't take the kick back and then have that insane run. And that was like the longest 10 yard run I've ever seen in my life. Um, but it was, it's probably one of those like ESPN stats and info. It was a 60 yard run, but it only went, yeah, right. only counted for 11 yards. It's just, right. a, and that's crazy part of it. Yeah. And, but it's just like, I don't know how you sit there and think what we're doing right now is the best solution to winning football games. Right. Like I yeah. think everyone's in agreement there. I mean, we we're we're two and zero against Missouri state and Tulsa and have won by a combined 12 points. If I have that correct. Yeah, I think you do. Um, that's not good. That's not good no, enough. No, it's, it's definitely not. So I, I frequently go to this uh, winsipedia.com. Subtle plug there for a website that it's not definitely, it's definitely not sponsoring the podcast. But I go into like a comparable state against teams that I go, oh, you know what? I wonder if we're better or worse, right? Like I just, I'm curious, right. like, okay. So I pulled up UCLA. It's where like half my mom's side of the family went to, is went to UCLA, or most of my mom's family went to UCLA. And UCLA, 17 conference championships, you know, we have 10, um, they are, their all time record is 40th, but we've played way more games than they have. We have more all time. We have more all time wins than they do, but that's because we've played just more games than they have period. So there's a lot of like weird stats in here is my point, you know, um, mm-hmm. key thing to me is, and I think that anyone who goes, you know what, I'm going to fight for Gunny tooth and nail goes, look what happened with UCLA. So this is going to be the argument against firing, against letting Gundy go, against firing Gundy, against changing what we've, what we've got right now, right? This can mm-hmm. be, be the thing. So in 1991, um, that's been one of UCLA's best seasons they've ever had. They went 9-3. and three. That's an Oklahoma State season where we go, yeah, we've been 10-3, right? We went 10-3 yeah. three years in a row here. Um, yeah. but I'll get to that in a second. So I'm building up to the point. In 91, we were 0-10. Did you know that? 
we went we didn't win a single game when we had Pat Jones as our head coach. Um, that's bad. That's bad. I think that's yeah. We had one tie. Um, <laughs> real bad. Right. Oh, real, ten real and bad. one. Uh, Who was yeah. the tie against? I just I, I I'll, I'll look it up here in a second. But it wasn't um, OU. It wasn't OU. <laughs> I doubt it. Yeah. Next year, still Terry Donnie with you as the head coach at UCLA. They, but they go six and five. We go four and six and one. I don't know how we're having these ties all the time. Um, year after that, we kind of split again. We go three and eight. They go eight and four. Um, year after that, you know, it kind of comes back to normal here. We're three and seven. They're five and six. Then they're seven and five. We're four and eight. I'm getting to a point here. Just trust me. Then in 96 is really where you see the change here between programs. Okay. Um, Bob Simmons takes over as the head coach for Oklahoma State in 95. Terry Downey was still the head coach for UCLA. 96. And, uh, I, I, I want to yeah. say Terry Downey was the most winning, the winningest head coach in UCLA history. I, I got to think so at this point, but I'm, I'm, you know, in 1996, so for the past 25 years up to this point, Oklahoma State owns UCLA, owns them. Uh, after, Terry Donahue, after Terry Donahue left, they had a head coach, Bob Toledo, and they have a couple more winning seasons after that. But when I say a couple, I mean one, two. They have 10 winning seasons. UCLA does since 96. Yep. 10, okay. right? They have, I think, two seasons where they're almost 500 or they're just a little bit under, but they have 10 winning seasons. And I'm even counting here the seven and six seasons, okay? 19. 19 winning seasons compared to 10, right? Yeah. And and yeah. this this is just the argument of I'm done with Gundy. I don't care. I'm done with Gundy, right? I'm mm-hmm. assuming UCLA goes, oh yeah. So Terry Donahue, um, ninety one does great. Ninety two, you know, 90, 90, 91, he's nine and thirty. That's a really good season for UCLA, right? Um mm-hmm. then they get a new head coach after he goes seven and five, ninety five. And I don't know if Terry Donahue left or if he got fired. I don't know. But when they got this Bob Toledo guy in, for the past 25 years, UCLA has seen, granted, UCLA had two back-to-back years with Bob Toledo after his, after his first year, where they went 10-2. and two. That's really, really good. That's great. But then they just have medi- mediocrity after, you know, I mean, they just, there's just a revolving door here. I don't even know how many head coaches, like Rick Neuheisel was a coach for a while. Jim Mora, of course, was a coach for a little bit. Um, Jed Fish, who I think probably took over midseason at some point, and then now Chip Kelly for the past three years, and this is the fourth year. Whereas we basically just have Gundy, like we have mm-hmm. Gundy from 05 on. Gundy's worst year was his first year, go figure. And then his second worst year is 2014, which everyone was injured besides Rudolph coming in. And then yeah, also 2018 wasn't great either, but that's seven six, still a bowl game. Which I know, like the bowl game stuff, doesn't matter that much to everyone. But if if Oklahoma State's gonna hang their hat on bowl games, and like we are going to as fans, I'm gonna throw it in there. And yeah. and this is just the thing where it's like UCLA is such a storied university in my eyes. They're such a good university, etc. How have we not figured out a way to elevate compared to them? Right. Mm-hmm. We haven't. Um, we've got a one-on-one record against UCLA all time heads up. So that's, that actually was in this past 20 years, Oh two and Oh four. Um, well, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just weird to me. Right. It's just weird. And, and I think 
you're referring to the brand argument. Right. If someone goes, oh, yeah, I want to be an OC, UCLA or Oklahoma State. Oh, right. What, what? UCLA, right? Like, and I think it's kind of probably closer to toss-up. It definitely was Oklahoma State four years ago. Before mm-hmm. Chip Kelly, it definitely was Oklahoma State. But now it's, eh, right? I mean, and, and, you're, and you're right. That, that is the ultimate rebuttal in which I would say, and this is the comparison that I've always made. Would you consider Mark Rick's career at Georgia a success? Or would you just consider it what he was supposed to do? I'm asking you because obviously you're the only one here. So I, I don't know what to think of Mark Rick's Georgia. Be honest. I think that's probably fine with how it all went. I don't fine, think I'm right? Fine. Not excited. Have, not but, you know, but, but I, they have higher ex, they have higher expectations. Yeah, their expectations increased since. So, um, off the top of my head, I know Mark Richt went to at least two BCS bowl games. He went to a Sugar Bowl. And I think he went to two sugar bowls. Yeah, SEC. So I think he went to two sugar bowls. And off the top of my head, and I could be wrong. Mark Ricks could have gone to more. And off the top of my head, Mike Gundy has been to two BCS bowl games. He is one and one, right? Mm -hmm. We beat Stanford and then lost Ole Miss. Mark Richt was fired. Because Georgia expects to win national championships. And... Um, Georgia has been to one playoff since it has been conceived. And that was in the year they lost Alabama and they played the national championship game. OSU had the playoff been there would have been to one playoff, right? Yeah. Cause we probably would have been the number three team in 2011. Obviously, the playoff wasn't there, so we didn't have that opportunity. Um, and we would have played Alabama, which I don't know how that would have went because I thought OSU was a really good football team that year. And that was even before. And I'm saying this because that's actually an unbiased take because I had no, that was in 2011. I was 15 years old, you know. So I didn't know at that time, but I just remember being infatuated with the big 12 after seeing Michael Crabtree and seeing Vince young, you know, all of that offense was just infatuating to me, seeing Des Bryant, seeing Brandon Whedon, you know, you, you can keep going our RG three, you know, it, 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 it builds. And so I w- I just really liked the big 12 and I really liked the way they play football. And so I always now, obviously now I don't like Texas. I don't like Texas tech, all that stuff. But at the time I did. And I remember thinking at the time in 2011, why is Oklahoma state not playing in this game? Because I remember where I was watching the Iowa state game. I was in Auburn, Alabama because I had just gone to see Auburn <laughs> and it, like, I remember who they played because they played Samford. S-A-M-F-O-R-D, which you guys probably don't know where that is, and that's fine. But the the point is, is that uh, that was a tangent. But Mark Richt and Mike Gundy aren't too far off. 
The only thing that differs in my eyes growing up in Georgia and living in Georgia currently being around a lot of Georgia fans is the expectations. And this has always been one of my questions. Why have our expectations as a football program not raised? Why are we just content with going to bowl games? And somebody can tell me, well, it's because we were terrible before Mike Gundy got there. That's fine. Georgia hasn't won a national championship since 1980. That was Herschel Walker's freshman year in college. Yeah. So they haven't exactly blown the doors off anyone. It's been 41 years. I was a kid. I grew up a Florida fan out of spite of Georgia. And now I don't really care about Georgia because they don't really apply to OSU. But it's just one of those things. Like, I remember I used to count the years. Every year, Georgia would say, we're going to win the national championship this year. We've got a really good team. I mean, you're talking Stafford, Marino, um, A.J. Green, like all these guys. OSU had those guys, too. OSU went to Georgia and beat them with Mike Gundy and when Mark Richt was there. So my question to OSU fans, and this is more rhetorical, and I kind of asked it last week, what are your expectations if they are not to be a top 10 program every single year? Because that's that's where we're at at this point. Georgia has those expectations. That's why they fired Mark Richt. And Mark Richt is an above average football coach. Great person, above average football coach. Yeah. I, I I don't disagree there at all. I actually am trying to look up to see where Mark worked is at now. He's um, he's nowhere. He was at Miami because that's where he went. But um, yeah, I think, I think he retired. Yeah, yeah I think retired. he works for SEC Network. Um, and yeah, so yeah. which is I mean, yeah. Um, but but point remains. Like if you were to look up Georgia, if you were to look up Michigan. If you were to look up all of those programs, which I know are historically great, but within the last since Gundy's been there, they're not too far off. So I'm not necessarily vouching for Gundy. I'm more vouching for the fans because it's like, when do your expectations change? And I know that's I'm a tough question. question I, yeah. And I, I know I'm going to ask the same question if we lose to Kansas State or if we lose to Texas Tech. Because, because it, I don't think we're losing to K-State. Uh, I don't know. But re- regardless, like it, it's just one of those things. Like, How many years can you just do the same thing and just be content with going to the Cheez-It Bowl or going to the Camping World Bowl or going to the Alamo Bowl? Like, Congratulations. You were the fourth best team in the Big 12. And, and we talked about last week, Gundy has finished in the top two, what was it, two times? Mm-hmm. Is that right? No, three times, because he won right. one Yeah. and then finished in the top two. I don't know. Regardless, it's either two or three times, and he won once, and then the other times um, would have played in the Big 12 championship, but hasn't. And in the last, since the Big 12 championship game has actually been conceived, we haven't played in it. So what are the expectations now? Is it just to go to a bowl game? I think it's to beat TCU, Baylor, K-State, Tech, 
KU every single year in West Virginia. Then and you're then going backwards. It, well, well, but then when one out of the three games against Iowa State, Texas, and OU every year. But now we're talking about. We haven't done that consistently, though. We haven't we haven't done what I just right. said consistently. Correct. Right. And, and, but and now we're talking also, about hopefully yeah. beating Iowa State. Fair. I mean, if they have a career year, what what seems like to me that happens a lot here in the Big Twelve and Big Twelve football is that Baylor will have an incredible one year thing, right? They'll have Matt Rule, who has an incredible two years. Where first year Baylor, I think, went zero and twelve. The next year they go twelve and zero. Then he's hired away, and Baylor sucks. I mean, they currently are up forty nine zero over Texas Southern with in the halfway in the third quarter, so they're not that bad, but. We didn't Southern's beat our FCS bad. opponent that bad. That's true. And Texas Southern's, uh, I think, pretty bad. I'm not sure. But regardless here, K-State will have like a couple years where they look decent. They beat OU in back-to-back years. Iowa State will have a year where they beat OU, right? It's a weird revolving door. And I'm not trying to make necessarily excuses for Gundy, but I'm yeah. trying to make excuses for the Big 12 here. That Texas will have like... Who knows if they're going to be good here this year or not. Did you know that since 1977, a brand new Texas head coach has not gone, not gone 2-0? And they've gone through Charlie Strong. Seriously? Uh, since yeah. 1977? The first year for a new head coach in Texas has not gone 2-0 since 77. ESPN and they, I just, I just and they've been stat. through, what, six, five, seven? I don't know. However many. Now, Texas does do a really good job about scheduling non-conference opponents who are big names. Notre Dame, Arkansas is still a big name. I don't want to I don't want to hear any crap at all from anyone about how that they're not a good football team. I know they're not a great football team historically. Maybe they'll have a year where they go 8 and, you know, 8 and 4 or whatever this year. No idea. It's still early in the season, but Texas really really does do a good job of that. We schedule Tulsa. Now we have now we've got Big non-conference opponents scheduled in the future in the next like 10 to 15 years against Oregon. We got a Boise State next week, which is relatively not that big of a name unless you're, I mean, for us at the state of Oklahoma, I don't think it's a big name at all. But, oh, you know, Oklahoma clearly know the name. Um, we got Oregon, Alabama, Arkansas, right? But Texas does mm-hmm. do a good job branding themselves that way. OU's OU, you know? Um mm-hmm. It's hard for us to clear that hurdle. I just, I'm not trying to make excuses, but I am trying to provide feedback of, have I thought every single year coming in that Oklahoma State's going to be the second best team in the Big 12 or win the Big 12? No, not every single year. Not at all. Have I thought we'd be in contention every single year? Yes. And have we been in contention? Yes. So we've met my expectations there, right? Been in contention. Mm -hmm. And I may be one of the few Oklahoma State alums at this point that is around our age that remembers yeah, dude, we we had a we had an era there where we sucked, right? Like I just yeah. named off two years before I was born in '91, we didn't win a game, right? Like that still is in the last 30 years, you know? Yeah, that's 30 yeah. years ago. We didn't win a game. So, so Oklahoma I, State fans who were who have been fans of the program for more than 28 years, who are older than I am, remember this, right? And as I watch Oklahoma State games with other guys who. Went to Oklahoma State at like watch parties, all type of stuff, or whatever it may be. The main thing I hear is, yeah, he's just not cutting it. And at least we're talking about that conversation with Gundy of, yeah, he's just not cutting it. Whereas five years ago, that was not the conversation. Five years ago, that was not the thing. 
It was, oh, we just got to get, you know, we just got to get a little bit better. Got to get a little better recruiting. Got to get a little, whatever it is, right? But he's mm-hmm. just not cutting it. I, I got to ask you this. I want to talk about conference changes here in a second anyways. Do you think there's any room for error now after OU and Texas leave? Is there any room for error under Gundy? Or is it, if Gundy doesn't win the Big 12, two out of five years, right? Let's say get the new four teams in, Gundy wins Big 12 less than two out of the five years with the new Big 12 system and everything in, he should mm-hmm. be fired. Like, are your expectations there? Is my question. Is yeah, my question. Yeah, like, I, I think with the new Big 12, you have to raise your expectations, right? You have to. I think to. that's a... It's getting... Like, like the quality of the quality of opponents are getting worse. OU's leaving. Yeah. OU's been the... OU's been not not just leader of the back. OU's been the super dog of the conference in football for years. I mean, since 2000, yeah. right? So, and before then even, you know? I mean, Texas has won so, a national championship in the past 21 years, so I can't say yeah. they've always been there, but Texas is also leaving. So if we're not able to go count wins against BYU, Houston, um, Cincinnati, and, oh gosh, who was the fourth one? Why am I forgetting one? Um, Houston, Cincinnati, BYU, UCF. If we're not able to count four wins against those four teams every single season, just as like, yeah, we should beat them, purely mm-hmm. off of just having the better athletes for the next three years, right? It's going to take them a minute to get up to par. Then we fail, right? If, we, if yeah. we're not able to just count... That's four wins. Then we failed as a program. So We're not doing the right I, thing. I I looked up the Mark Richt versus Mike Gundy statistics, and um, everyone likes being proven right. And so here you go. So Mark Richt in his time at Georgia was one forty five and fifty one. I would say that's a very good record, right? I would say that's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's what you look for. Mike Gundy is one thirty nine and sixty seven. Okay. Conference wise, Mike Gundy is 83 and 55 and conference wise, Mark Richt was 83 and 37. And that was from 2001 to 2015. Gundy has been there from 2005 to present. So with that being said, Mike Gundy has also played eight or nine conference games since 2011 compared to Mark Rick's eight conference games, his entire career. So naturally Mike Gundy is going to have more losses, but he should also probably have more wins. Now this is where the kicker comes in. Mark Rick played in four um, conference championships and one or played in six uh, conference championship games and won two. Mike Gundy played in two. He was tied for first in 2010 before Missouri A&M left. So he was able, he, he shared, a, he got a share of the Big 12 title and then won in 2011. As we know, they went 11 and two and then 12 and one that year. They've both played in two um Three no, Mark Rick played in three BCS bowl games. Mike Gundy played in has played in two BCS bowl games or uh, whatever you want to call it. They were BCS at the time, so it's not too far off, is what I'm saying. And Mark Rick probably even had more conference success 
than Mike Gundy did. And that was with Florida doing the things they were doing with being as dominant as Florida was when they had urban Meyer. Um, and that was when Steve Spurrier was at South Carolina and, you know, people might want to scoff at that, but Steve Spurrier was good at South Carolina. I mean, mm-hmm. they were, they were, they were good when he was there. They were good. They um, were bad. Yeah, they were decent. They, they had, they had good teams um, is what I'll say. They might not have been world beaters, but they had good teams and he was gone after a nine and three season where he went to the tax layer bowl. But tell me if you see something. So, he went to Music City, Sugar, Capital One, Outback, Sugar, Chick-fil-A, Sugar, Capital One, Independence, Liberty, Outback, Capital One, Gator, Belk, Tax Slayer. Those are all of your SEC bowls that equate to all of the ones we have being Heart of Dallas, Cactus Bowl, Alamo Bowl, Camping World Bowl, Liberty Bowl, Texas Bowl, Cheez-It Bowl. Those are Cheez-It Bowl. It's the same thing. It's it's the same thing. Like, congratulations, you're the third best team on your side. You get to go play in the Capital One Bowl. And, and for Georgia, that just wasn't cutting it. So I don't know. I don't know why, you know, why this is, why this is cutting it for us, because I feel like our expectations should be higher. I feel like we should look at that, those 2010, 2011 seasons and go, okay, we should only build up from here. But when you plateau as Gundy has, and as, as Mark Rick did, then you run into problems. It, it's hard to get out of that that slide that I just don't feel like we will ever get out of. I, we got to get out of it. There's but is no it going option. to be? Is it going to be with the current staff? I think this is always the same question. This is the devil's advocate thing. This is what anyone would ask you every single time we'd ever go, you know, let's, let's, let's let go of Gundy, right? Every single person Mm -hmm. would always ask you, then who you want to hire, right? It's got to be the question that, you know. um, And I think we would have our answer. Casey Dunn? No, it would be the defensive coordinator, Knowles. Jim Knowles, I take it. And I saw that being thrown out a lot today on Twitter. A lot. Talking about Jim Knowles being the, I don't want to say coach and waiting because I don't know how long Gundy's going to be there, but almost like if something were, if it were to hit the fan, then he would be, he would be promoted to that spot. But then, we would get to see Casey Dunn unleash the bag because that's what would happen. And we're not going to know if we are right or wrong until that happens, which I don't know when it's going to happen, but Jim Knowles has done a very good job. I think we can agree on that in his two years. I would say I've been pleasantly surprised with what he's done defensively. And if I'm correct, he came from Duke. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. And he was under a guy, David Cutcliffe, who's like a legend. I mean, I, I don't know how it is in the Midwest, because um, I didn't grow up there, or on the West Coast, but David Cutcliffe is like, from what I've heard, is one of the nicest people. I mean, he's been at Duke for however many years. Um, he's been at Duke since 2008. 
and he has a losing record and he's still there. And I think there's a reason for that. And so, because Duke, Duke, like Kansas, isn't the, you know, they're not the name on the block. It's basketball. You know, we know that. And yeah, he was, he was the defensive coordinator at Duke starting in 2010 up until 2017. And then he came in 2018. So, and he was the head coach at Cornell, believe it or not, from 2004 to 2009. Hmm. So. I. So, so, I mean, we've had the discussion um, before many times off the podcast, but the one other thing I'd say here is that I don't notice a lot of our players getting better under Gundy's tenure. Like, yeah. like, like just Mason Rudolph came in kind of gunslinger, you know, type of stuff where he's just not, I mean, not Brett Farvish at all. He's throwing the ball all over the field though. It's just a bunch of air under it. Letting his receivers run underneath it. We're we, clearly we airing we it out. We, yeah, we, we knew what we were getting. getting. Um, we've, then we've got, of course, like guys who are in the NFL right now, justice Hill, Chuba Hubbard, and it's the running back stuff. Right. And I don't necessarily have to know mm-hmm. if the running backs are getting a lot better or not all type of stuff. Chris Carson, Chris Carson, Kendall Hunter, um, played with the Niners for a while. We, we've, we've got NFL guys on the roster. Do you think there is more room for growth player development wise? And if so, what can we do about that? I mean, like, like, what, I, like, what do we do there? Is that also a head coaching change? So I would say the one area that I have seen us grow in is probably wide receiver. And I think we can both agree on that. We have seen wide receivers become more than what they were supposed to be. Um, James Washington, for example, um, he's probably the most notable. Tylen Wallace came in as a four star and we talked about this off. Tylen Wallace was great, but I don't, I didn't have the same feeling around Tylen Wallace that I did with James Washington. Well, I didn't look yeah. at, I didn't look at Tylen Wallace as a game ender because mm-hmm. I looked at James Washington look like if you want to stop him, you have to double cover him, which is ironically what Kansas did one year and it worked. Um, but, but regardless, like Tylen Wallace made some great plays. He was a great receiver for us, but he wasn't James Washington. And so to answer your question, I don't know if I've seen any guys necessarily develop that great. I mean, we look at Sanders right now, and it's it's hard to say if Spencer Sanders has gotten better. I would not say he's gotten better. Would you? No. No, I, I know that, you know. Um, I also, I mean, I... Doing out the caveat, I think he's been injured, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Been injured, COVID season, like, what are we going to do with Sanders? It would mm-hmm. would Sanders just be lining it up right now? I don't know. I don't think that's his actual play style. I think his play style is much closer to a Clint Chelf slash Zach Robinson than Mason Rudolph is. You know, I mean, we, but we yeah. can see that. That's what his game, he's a very quick guy on his feet. Now, does he make and, boneheaded and decisions? Okay. For sure. 
Everyone does. Everyone makes bonehead decisions. But the fact that Sanders just um, isn't seeming to get a lot better, I'm willing to like kind of wash it away and go, whatever. I'm sure someone's going to say, well, Taylor Cornelius, I'm sure he wasn't, wasn't a guy you thought would start, you know. And that's true. I did not think Taylor Cornelius would start for a whole year. I also got to say, too, though, like, I I just didn't see a lot of improvement in Mason Rudolph year over year. I didn't see a lot of improvement in Brandon Whedon over two years. I didn't see a lot of improvement over um, Zach Robinson or Clint Shelf. I just saw, like, they came in and they immediately were good from day one. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Listen, like, like, that's not on Sanders. That's a... Sanders doesn't hasn't looked great, but I'm willing to just kind of brush that under the rug because he's had these external things that we never thought would be a thing, right? COVID and injuries. So mm-hmm. the next thing I would hope for Oklahoma State is we win the Big 12 consistently. We are the dominant team in the Big 12. Why wouldn't we be the dominant team in the Big 12 here? Why? I mean, is there any room for error? Like, that's where our expectations should be going forward, right? Yeah. Oh, without you in Texas leaving? Yeah. Because it, yeah, I, I just think that we should be performing better than we are. We should be able to walk and, into any recruit's house that is from Texas and go, hey, you know what? You're going to see your son play in the state of Texas every year at least three times, right? Got yeah, Texas and, Tech, Houston, uh, Baylor, TCU, and I feel like I'm forgetting a school, but maybe that's it now. Just the four. I think that's it. Well, and also, like to the other point with the recruiting thing, like if you're good enough to go to Ohio State, you're going to go to Ohio State. If you're good enough to go to Bama, you're going to go to Bama. If you're good enough to go to Georgia, you're going to go to Georgia. But there's there's a level of recruit that we can still get, and it. it it's hard because, and I think it's unfair for that fact to compare it to basketball because, and, and this is the part that it is tough for me because we look at baseball and in Oklahoma state, the reason I'm bringing these sports up is because we are a fan of all of these sports, mm-hmm. right? We, we, yeah. we root for all of these sports. We watch the baseball games. We watch the basketball games, watch the football games. This isn't, I don't want to bash OU, but like this isn't Oklahoma where we're just living for football season. Right. We, we, we watch, and I know OU, like they watch their basketball, trust me, because a lot of my friends went to Oklahoma and they watch their basketball. But I don't, like a lot of my friends don't watch their baseball, you know? Hi, Will. Hi, Ryan. But like I, they don't, they just don't. And I'm not going to, you know, hold that against them. If they don't want to watch college baseball, that's fine. But at OSU, we, we kind of do because we're expected to be good every year. And I would still watch them if we weren't expected to be good. But with basketball, how much of our expectations raised since we got Mike Boyd? I mean, they've gone back to where they were before we had, when we didn't have Boyd. Um, Right. Which was high, which was which high, was like, which was like you're you're, for the big you're going to the yeah, yeah you're you're winning the Big Twelve going for the Sweet Sixteen, and mm-hmm. I know like winning the Big Twelve is 
a nightmare, and it's going to be even more of a nightmare once we add Houston with Kelvin Sampson and Cincinnati, who seems to always be good. I mean, Mick Cronin is now the coach at UCLA, which you know, and he came from Cincinnati, so it's not like there's some small program. Um, BYU always seems to have a, a solid basketball team. They're probably happy they're not playing Gonzaga anymore. But regardless, like... Jimmer Fredette, our, former Big 12 conference player. How can we forget? Uh, our expectations for basketball have gone up in a span of like a year and a half. Significantly. We're like, Mike, if you're not bringing in a five-star, what are you doing, dude? Like that. <laughs> That's where we're at now. And I don't know why it didn't get that way with football. Because I, I can tell you why I can tell you why. Cause that, when you explain basketball, I know why. Yeah. And that might we, even be unfair to Mike Boynton to expect to go to the tournament every year, but we do. We expect we to, go expect to go to the tournament and win a couple of games every year. Now um, we expect yeah. to win a couple of games, in the big 12 tournament, to be honest, every single year now. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, as you're seeing that, as you're laying that out, I can tell you exactly what changed. The expectations changed because it used to be, oh, yeah, we're, hey, do we're getting three stars, four stars? Let's contend for the Big 12. And we do contend for the Big 12 conference. Every year we contend. We are not Kansas or K-State or like Baylor this year. Who I don't, Insert whoever. I don't know. Baylor might be good this year. Who knows? Right. Insert a team. You know? Yeah. Every single year I go, okay, we've got three, four stars. But in basketball, whenever we get the best player in the entire freaking country in the number one overall draft pick, I go, so what national championship? Like, what if we do? You know what I mean? Why wouldn't yeah. why wouldn't we be thinking that? We never have gotten we've never gotten those recruits in football where I go, so national like never. Never gotten those recruits in football. But there's a reason for that, right? I mean, there has to be. OU's getting those recruits. Texas is getting some of those guys. Not as many as OU, I will say, as you know, as of late. Alabama's getting all of them. LSU is getting the rest of them. And Georgia is getting basically anything Alabama doesn't get, you know, and a couple from LSU too, right? Um, Clemson's yeah. getting a ton of them. Ohio State, not as of today, but previously, before today, is getting, you know, all of them too, right? So, mm-hmm. But we don't expect to be one of those four. And I think the other huge issue that we're talking about here that kind of comes full circle, if we're the big, if the Big 12 is still a Power 5 conference, which I think everyone's going to still say it is, so, they, you know, they automatically are in the college football playoff discussion, and we win the Big 12, we should be in the playoff. The playoff was created because Oklahoma State was not in the playoff in 2011. Um, was not in the championship in 2011. You know, clearly that would have been a much better game to watch. Just more fun, period. I don't want to go into the whole, oh, you guys got blown up by Alabama. Maybe. But you know what? Alabama <laughs> shouldn't have gotten the chance to have a rematch. That's and, period. That's period. You, that's, that's, that's period. And you can also include your Boise States. You can also include your UCFs. You know, you can also include those kinds of teams, teams on that are usually on the outside looking in, right? Oh, yeah. But if we're talking like expectations, it's twofold. We don't get those recruits that I would think, oh, this is going to raise our, this is going to raise our team. We don't, we don't get those guys. I don't hear us getting those guys um, like I do in basketball. And two, it's four teams in every year. Maybe this could be different because Ohio State's already lost and Clemson's already lost, but it probably won't be that different. Let's be honest, right? Like I will lose right. to Ohio State at some point. Now Ohio State win will look pretty darn, 
yeah, Ohio State loss won't look that bad if if Oregon wins out, right? Like we'll all make sense of this, and it'll be like, yep, it's the same four teams every year. And yeah. that's that's why the expectations aren't raised either. It's because we haven't really contended with OU. If we can start contending with OU year in year out, hell yeah, the expectations are raised, right? This year, if we mm-hmm. come, if this is such a sad thing to say, and I understand this. This year, if we play OU close, if we're if the final game score, regardless of how the game goes, even if it's a blowout and we just kind of run it up late because OU puts in backups or whatever, it'll still be we contended. We didn't get blown out like we did the last year. Yeah. And last year's COVID year, whatever, all the stuff, but we haven't really contended against OU at all. In 2014, we contended against OU, and that was a great, great time. Should we have been in that game? Not one freaking chance. It's you and I know, <laughs> right? Tyree Kill, yeah. Mason Rudolph carried us the whole game. And mm-hmm. shout out to both those gentlemen for doing it. Because that's the last time we beat OU. I don't necessarily know if it'll happen this year either. But if we can contend with OU, expectations raise. If we can get five yeah. stars, expectations raised. Or get that recruit, right? I mean, if, if we get a quarterback mm-hmm. who's in Heisman Trophy conversations, expectations raised, right? They're not all necessarily the recruit. We're just bringing in guys we've through our system that we've gone. Yep, yep. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a similar guy. That's a similar guy, right? Mm-hmm. Running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, offensive linemen, defensive guys. All that's just kind of doing as normal. That's why expectations aren't raised because we're doing as normal. But what basketball expectations are raised because we're doing better than what we've been doing before. When you're on that gradual slope up, expectations raise. Right now, it just seems like we're on a gradual slope, kind of even slash a little bit down every so often. And I, I guess I, I completely understand what you're saying. It, and it's, I guess it's just frustrating because it's like we should have held ourselves to a higher standard, right? For, for four, sure. <laughs> right? So, like, like yeah, you and I we, are going to agree on that to the end of the end of like time. 2011. After that, 2010, 2011, <clears throat> you should be going out and not getting, not doing the five star thing because I, Boynton is an anomaly in my eyes. He, mm-hmm. He's, I have to imagine that he probably pisses off a lot of recruiters because they're like, <clears throat> who is this guy? What is he doing? How is he doing this? You know, that kind of thing. I have Where to imagine that's what Boyden's from? doing. What's but, this? Yeah. but it's like every week in basketball, I see we're getting a five-star recruit come visit us. Mm-hmm. Every week, mm-hmm. every week I see this. And we, and I'm not saying we have to do that in football, but we should be at that with the four stars. And I'm not talking about the four stars that are like, Oh, here's a guy from Texas. You know, here's a guy from Oklahoma because, and I, I really didn't want to get on this, this, uh, you know, down this rabbit hole, but that's just not cutting it anymore. I know that I am a, an Atlanta guy, but those, the Texas guys aren't cutting it anymore. They're just not. I know they're great football players. I know they are, and they have their select few giving me, you know, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, you know, those kinds of guys are great, but both of those guys also went to one school. And what are you, one high school or what, what are you? No, they went to Oklahoma. Oh yeah. they Okay. Yeah. 
so uh, Oklahoma might is obviously an anomaly in that sense where Mm -hmm. they are getting, you know, that kind of, of caliber of player and then turning them into Heisman players. But Baker Mayfield was a walk on at Texas tech and then Kyler Murray's a five-star. So they're clearly in their plan player development era where they're able to do those things. Now, the point I'm making about recruiting is like, I know you can look at Nebraska, right? Since Nebraska has joined the big 10, they haven't been recruiting Texas as much. They had like third, I want to say it was like 33 players since last when they were in the big 12 and now they have like 10 from Texas and people want to talk about how great Texas football is. I'm not going to disagree with you, but those guys aren't winning national championships. Maybe the quarterbacks are right. The quarterbacks could be Jalen hurts is from Texas. He won a national championship at Alabama, but if you look at most of the skill guys, they're all from down in my neck of the woods. And I'm not saying that we're Georgia, just going to be able Florida to come yeah. Georgia, Florida. I mean, even Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, South Carolina, Tennessee, like that's where a lot of these guys are coming from. If you want to go scroll through Alabama's roster and tell me which state dominates, be my guest, prove me wrong. I like, that's fine. But I remember when Alabama played Clemson in the national championship. Um, I want to say it was Deshaun Watson's year. That was one player from Texas starting. Okay. That was one player. There were two players starting from the same high school in Roswell, Georgia. There, there's a reason that Texas isn't doing what they used to do. And I know Oklahoma's very good, but they haven't beaten the big boys. Or do they mainly recruit? And I'm not saying OSU is just going to be able to waltz in there and start recruiting those guys. But what I am saying is that we have got to start to become a little bit more creative on that recruiting path. And I know it's easier in basketball for Boynton because he can just go, hey, look, we had the number one draft pick, dude. Like, and and Cade was from IMG, but or not IMG Montverde, and but he's really from Texas. So, but do you understand what I'm saying? Like how? Yeah, yeah. The 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 recruiting landscape has changed, and until people start to acknowledge that and not just grant Texas this ultimate like you know recruiting advantage, you you have to go look at the teams that are winning. I mean. If, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, what city, what metro area sits smack dab in the middle of every single one of them? Georgia. It's not a it's not a mystery. I mean, Atlanta, and, right? That's what we're saying. Yeah, it, it, it's it's Atlanta. And again, I'm not saying that you can start to go pull from there, but Texas just isn't it anymore. And that's, I guess that's fine. Just we got to, maybe that's, that's part of this, right? Big 12 expands recruiting base. You know what? Hey, you want to see your son play in the big 12? He also can, you know, can be from central, central Florida, right? Can be from yeah. Cincinnati and Ohio. 
California. He can be from California. Can't be, I mean, from be, BYU, you know? Yeah, because, Utah. I mean, we know, like, Bryce Young, Alabama's quarterback, is from, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, he's from California. But, it, like, if you just go scroll down where these Alabama players are from, yeah, you see a couple Texases, but you also see a lot of Georgias. You also see a lot of Alabamas. You also see a lot of Californias. And so the point that I'm trying to make is they're not limiting themselves. And we're never going to be Alabama. Okay. I, I understand that. We're never going to be Alabama. We're never going to be Clemson. We're never going to be Oklahoma. Right. But these places expand their recruiting bases from just Texas being that end all be all that it's not cutting it anymore. I'm sorry. Like it, it's really just not cutting it. If you're relying on Texas to be the way that you're going to win the big 12 and you're like, well, you know, Nebraska sucks because they don't have Texas kids. Maybe so. Or maybe it's just that everybody else is that much better than they are. I mean, Alabama has even got a recruit from Ontario, Canada killing it. But you're right. Yeah. I did go look it up here. I mean, there's so many names where you just scroll through and you go, Oh, well, there's a couple. Uh, no, there's just Alabama for like a list in a row. And I mean, I don't know. It's, you know, some special teams guys, some third string, second string, you know, whatever, too, I'm sure. I don't know Alabama's they got roster a, front they and got, back, but they've got a ton they got of a kids from Alabama. They land, and it's Alabama, South Carolina, Kentucky. It's Georgia. It's a couple of Chicago, a couple of Ohio, and then Alabama. You know, just a list, right? It's like St. Louis, Missouri, and then Alabama, Alabama. You know, I mean, it's just Memphis, Tennessee. Enterprise Alabama, you know, they've got a Salt Lake City, Utah. It's just, they're Alabama, right? But if we're wondering where do the best players go, they are from clearly a couple of states. Texas, here and there. California, here and there. Texas still has their guys. And then every so often a different state, just entirely. Pennsylvania, you know? Yeah, and and Texas still has their guys. Don't get me wrong. They might have the best player every single year. It's just got to be a crime if you're UCLA to watch Bryce Young play and go, dude's from down the street. He's from Pasadena. Yeah, didn't he go to Matter Day, right? Uh, I don't know. Probably, but but, but they, Day, ha- but, they, they have that ability to pull guys. And I guess my point yeah. is, I, I don't know if we can win by just relying on the state of Texas to be our end-all be-all. Like, because... The University of Texas won and was successful solely off recruiting the state of Texas, right? We know this. We know that Vince Young was from Texas. We know that your Kyler Murray's and your Baker Mayfield's are from Texas. We know that they have great high school football programs and great high school football teams. But that doesn't always translate because I'm sure they also have great high school football coaches, but going out and getting the four star that plays in some small Texas high school football division, like I know OSU has done, and I'm not going to name any names of who these players are because I know who these players are, but we we've done that before. And these guys just haven't worked out because it's like, yeah, it would be great to see a guy, me try and block some of these guys, because that's what it looks like. If you actually go watch their film. Like, yeah, they might be a four-star on the stat sheet, but sometimes depends on who they're playing against. Well, and there's one other thing I want to say here, kind of as we, as I try to put a bow on this, you know, kind of wrap it up, right? Yeah. 
Because you and I could talk all day about how we need to get better recruiting the Southeastern Conference, right? I think we, we, we've talked about this before. So. And, and I think we will have a better chance of that once OU and Texas are gone. We, we we don't have a better chance of it right now when they're in the conference. What I mean, if we're not doing it right now, like, why not, right? So I go, maybe yeah. something changes and helps us out. That's the only thing I can think of is that the change helps us there. Fair. So um, when I look through here, like the 2021 football recruits, it's southeastern area of the country. It's Texas, then it's Washington, it's California, then it's Florida, Florida, then it's Ohio, then it's Texas. Then it's, yeah, I mean, it's just... Kind of repeats yeah. here. I mean, there's just a lot of Texas for the top 10. You know, a couple of Florida, a couple of D.C., you know, whatever. But then it just starts stacking Florida, Alabama, also Georgia, Virginia, you know, et cetera. So as, as I try to think about all this, right, and put it together, the, the key thing for me is, is that we've got to get better at recruiting. That's going to raise expectations. We've got to get better at play calling. That's going to raise expectations if we just look better, right? But I think the main deal when you and I talk about just sports in general and we want Oklahoma State to be better is going, can we win the Big 12? And if we can't win the Big 12 in the next in the, ten, in the next 10 years, right? We know OU and Texas will not be in the Big 12 the next, you know, for the next, for the next 10 years in a row, right? Yeah. But if you and I, if, if, you know, if podcasting is still is thing, knowing me, it still will be. If in 2031... <laughs> You and I are both going, man, we have, we've won the Big 12 once, right? Or we've only been in the Big 12 championship once. I think that's where we go. Gundy's, what, what happened to Gundy, right? It's got to be something different. Got to be a different change. Because now we go from being the, you know, a fish in a smaller pond. But a fish, right? OU is the big fish here in the conference. Mm-hmm. We got to change that overnight to be going. Now we're... Now, we're the ones you got to look at to try to beat, right? We got to mm-hmm. beat Cincinnati. We got to beat BYU. We got to beat Houston. And we got to beat UCF. And we're not going to play all of them every single year. That's what's nice about having 12 teams. But when we get the chance, we got to blow them out of the water. We got to be the school in the Big 12 because that's how Oregon got guys. That's how Ohio State's gotten guys. That's how OU's gotten guys. And Listen, like SEC is kind of ruling football here for years in a row. And that's how Georgia and Alabama and LSU have gotten guys, right? And and I guess my question is, based off what we just talked about, I, it's not a coincidence because that's where the talent is now. It's it's there. That's just where it is. And I, I looked through it just to back it up. Um, the, 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 whole, the whole thing for me is that we are really good at football, but we are not great, right? We're really mm-hmm. good at football. Um, is Quinn Ursh the number one overall national commit? And yeah, he's going to Ohio State, I guess, this year, technically, or maybe next year, whatever it is. Is he he's going there to now. light? Okay, so yeah. So is he going to light the world on fire when he gets a chance to start? Is he going to be the far, by far and away best quarterback we've ever seen in football, period? I don't know. But he's a five-star quarterback, right? And he's and he's from Texas. From Texas, but you know who the first guy here on the list that is going to Oklahoma State is? For who's apparently, I mean, sounds like he's got to be in Oklahoma State now. He's uh, K 
Kendall Daniels, a four-star recruit out of Beggs, Oklahoma. Did not know that was a city in Oklahoma. <laughs> Lived in Oklahoma for 22 years. Did not know Beggs, Oklahoma is a city. So shout out. We're fighting guys, right? Yeah. But we just got to do a better job about finding more guys to continue to raise those expectations. Um, one last thought here. Just kind of leave it on a, on a note, right? Do you think that we stand a chance at being the Jordan brand of the Big 12? The, there's a Jordan school, Jordan brand school in every single Power 5 conference. OU's leaving the Big 12. I think Jordan brand still probably targets a school in the Big 12 to be their Jordan brand school. We are a Nike mm-hmm. school, so we're already good in, good there. Do you think we become Jordan brand? Uh, I think in basketball. <laughs> we only do it for the full school. Yeah, I I think in basketball. Yeah, I think I I actually mentioned this to Will, um, and I know Will listens. So I I mentioned this to Will that Boynton could be a a, a potential. He could get a potential call about being a Jordan school. Now, how that works with Mike Gundy, (laughs) I'm not even getting into that. But maybe Gundy's told see. he can only wear Nike stuff, but everyone else the team can wear Jordan stuff. I don't know. <laughs> but I could see uh, we should be first in line, I would say. I mean, if Chip if Kelly's wearing game. Jordan stuff, like he's not dunking basketball anytime soon. I think we're fine with Gundy wearing Jordan stuff, right? That's fair. Mike Boyd might be able to dunk. So we've got that over there. True. True. Well, Jake, as always, thanks so much for joining me here on the latest episode of the CJ Tour podcast. Please follow at CJ Tour on Twitter and Instagram for more. And we'll catch you guys again soon. Peace. See ya.